Welcome to this special episode of On Her Turf. The Columbia Barnard Athletic Consortium is a unique agreement under which women at Barnard College and Columbia University compete together as members of university-wide athletic teams. It is the only one of its kind in NCAA Division I athletics. As part of the consortium's 35th anniversary celebration and in partnership with On Her Turf, a panel discussion was hosted recently on the campus of Barnard College, moderated by my friend NBC News' Dylan Dreyer and featuring dynamic leaders in the sports industry. Panelists included three-time ice hockey Olympic medalist Megan Duggan, executive director of the NBA Players Association Michelle Roberts, former WNBA player and two-time Ivy League Player of the Year Judy Lomax, and two-time Olympian and current Columbia field hockey coach Caroline Nelson Nichols. They had a great discussion and they talked about things such as, do women athletes lead differently? What impact has sports had on the LGBTQ community? And how does professional competition impact success outside of the sports arena? We hope you enjoy this one. And thanks, as always, for listening to the On Her Turf podcast. Please join me in welcoming Dylan Dreyer. I guess we'll have the ladies come up while I, I get started here because it is such an honor to be invited to moderate this event. This is, as you see, an incredible panel of women. We are going to have a vibrant and just open discussion about sports and how important it is uh, to have sports or, or something similar to it in your life because not only is it something you use on the field, but it's something you'll use in your personal life as well. And this is just the perfect way to celebrate the Columbia Barnard Athletic Consortium. Um, sports has been something I've been involved with my whole life. I grew up with two older brothers, so of course I wanted to do everything they were doing. I started at five years old playing t-ball on an all-boys t-ball league, which at the time, I didn't know. I just really wanted to play t-ball. So it wasn't something I thought about. It wasn't something I even, I mean, it just didn't affect me in any way whatsoever. But when I look back and think that that's when I started, I want to give my mom a lot of props for just pushing me out there and letting me do it because I went on to play uh, t-ball and then softball. I played softball through high school. Um, I went to Rutgers, so I wasn't quite good enough to play at the Rutgers level. But um, I also, Caroline, don't want to brag, uh, was captain of my field hockey team. I was also the leading scorer on my field hockey team. We don't need to tell people that it was a brand new sport at my high school. I scored five goals all season, but a stat is a stat. So... <laughs> I thought, I thought you'd be a little impressed with that. Um, tonight's event is really the perfect occasion for On Her Turf, which is a partnership between NBC Sports and Refinery29, and it shares in the celebration of women in sports. Uh, we empower the next generation of women leaders by spotlighting the lessons that are learned on the field, you know, that team building, the self-discipline, the grit. It's all stuff that you take with you to the boardroom or to whatever job or to whatever life event you're dealing with. I just think it... it it's so empowering to have, have those lessons in your life. At On Her Turf on Instagram, if you want to give that a follow, has the mission of inspiring women just to be the best version of themselves, both on and off the field. So I want to introduce this amazing group of women. Uh, we'll start with Olympic medalist, U.S. Women's National Hockey Team captain and advocate, Megan Duggan. <laughs> U.S. 
You said you're nobody special, but Judy Lomax, you are Columbia Hall of Famer and former professional basketball player and the class of 2010. <laughs> Olympian and Columbia Lions field hockey coach, Caroline Nelson Nichols. And right next to me here is the executive director of the National Basketball Players Association, which is wild, Michelle Roberts. It's so nice to have you here. So I really want this to just be an open discussion. So while I might direct a couple questions, feel free to chime in if you have something you agree with or even disagree with. I just want to keep this nice and open because I think everybody's just interested in, in your guys' take and what you have to say on a bunch of things. Um, so Megan, we'll just start with you. The word competition, how would you define competition? Well, me, first of all, I think, um, you know, if you look up the competitive in the dictionary, my picture would probably be right there. I think uh, I try to be competitive in any, anything. Um, you know, I've said I want to win a gold medal washing my car, um, if, if you could do that. So, um, but no, I mean, I think to be competitive, competition, it's, it's really just it's striving for excellence. I think it's pushing yourself. Um, and pushing, you know, your teammates or even your competitors to be the best version of themselves that they can be. Um, as a competitive person, and I'm sure there's many competitive athletes in this room as well, you know what it takes to be competitive. It is, you know, it's the preparation, it's the determination, it's the sacrifices, the work ethic. Um, and, you know, to be competitive is really just to strive for that, that top point, always wanting to be the best version of yourself and push your teammates around you uh, to do so as well. And I've, on the Today Show, we do a lot of little games, a lot of weird things. And it always comes down to, oh, well, Dylan's so competitive. Almost like it's said sometimes in a negative way. Why does being competitive ever have to be considered negative? You know, why can't it just be something that's celebrated? I love being competitive. I agree with you completely. And um, I think it's one of those things that, and you know, I'm sure we'll touch on some of this later, but it's those, you know, those young ass assigned gender roles when we were younger, especially for women that it's, um, you know, when we were little girls, maybe you weren't supposed to be that, you know, that star athlete or everyone thought it was strange that you were so competitive, wanted to win all the time in, in sports. Um, and so it kind of has potentially carried on. But to me, you know, when someone asked me, uh, what's one of the greatest things I've learned or, you know, what's one of the, my, um, greatest things I've learned through sport. Um, it's, it's that competitive nature. It's always wanting to win. And as you know, you mentioned, and a few of you mentioned in your opening remarks, you know, that competitive nature of athletes, that's one of those things that's going to translate to any industry. I mean, the, the world is a competitive place. And uh, being able to challenge yourself to be better every day, all the while challenging the people around you to be more competitive in your industry and be the best versions of yourself, that's a great thing to celebrate. Mm -hmm. um, and something that hopefully we can all start celebrating and putting a positive connotation on a, a little bit more. And Judy, I see you're nodding your head. Can, can you talk to us a little bit about your career path and why you seem to nod more and agree that being competitive helps off the field? Um, I off would, the court. <laughs> court, yes. yes sorry. Um, <laughs> I would say that um, competition shows up in different ways. So I guess what I was thinking about is what does it look like to be competitive? And I think when I transitioned into graduate school, um, I'm pursuing my PhD in clinical psychology. I think being competitive in the classroom looks very different than being competitive and battling for a rebound on the court. And so I had to navigate the differences in the space that I was in. And so 
you know, wanting to be your best is what I really liked about what you said. It's not so much about comparing yourself to other people, but it's kind of it being introspective and thinking about how can I be a better whatever it is that I want to be. And what are the skills you've picked up from being so successful in sports and now bringing them to the point where you're going to get your PhD? Uh, definitely the work ethic part. Um, <laughs> it takes a lot of work to be successful in whatever it is that you want to do. So um, putting in that time, I would say balancing my schedule as a student athlete here, um, that was something that I definitely had to be on top of, going to class, getting my work done on time, and then practicing games. Um, and then I also would say that being confident. So like having that confidence, even if you don't even if you don't know what you're doing necessarily, but having the confidence that you'll figure it out. So with sports, if you're learning a new move or learning a new play, you know that if you put in the time and you put in the work, then ultimately you'll be successful. And I think that translated for me as well into the classroom. If I'm learning new skills or learning a new type of therapy, I'm okay with um, learning from my experience and not necessarily having to wait until I'm able to do it perfectly. Um, and I think I noticed that difference between myself and some of my other classmates was that they were hesitant to take chances and take risks because they didn't want to fail. And I was okay with failing because I knew that was an opportunity for me to correct and to assess where I was and then improve from there. Mm -hmm. As a, a team member, did you ever offer any advice to these other students in the classroom? I mean, granted, you wanted to do the best in the class, but still. <laughs> so if I gave them my secrets, I don't know how that would help me be the best. Um, no, I would say early, not all um, training programs do this, but early in my training, we video recorded a lot of hmm. our sessions and our work with clients. And that was really hard for some of my classmates if they haven't watched film before. But I, <laughs> I was familiar with watching film, seeing myself, hearing my voice, all of that stuff. So I think I tried to encourage them that it would get better and it would get easier with time um, in, in seeing themselves. Mm -hmm. It's an it's opportunity, like I said, to improve. Yeah. Caroline, how did your experience in athletics on the field help you as a coach? I mean, yes, it's the same sport, but I feel like it's a different brain to now be in charge of a team. Yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of translation given different sports, and then once you sort of take off your athlete hat, put on your coaching hat. Um, but I will echo, I think there's a ton of preparation that goes into being an athlete. Um, and I guess the same thing sort of transcends to being a coach. Um, but I will say one of the most empowering things about being a coach is the opportunity to share with your current student athletes or athletes the experiences that you had as an athlete and, and what you went through as an athlete. Um, and I think that's, for me, that's the, that's the best part of coaching is that all of the experiences that I I got to do, um, going to an, two Olympic Games, um, struggling next to my teammates, you know, getting on the line and you can do one more rep. Um, going through those experiences only means so much when you have the opportunity now to share that with your current student athletes and empower them and inspire them to want to be the best versions of themselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just to kind of relate this to my life, I have a two-year-old and there are times where I just want to tell him I'm older, I've done this, I've been here, I know you don't want to eat those peas, but just try one because they're really good, you know? So I, I have that experience of having eaten peas already in my life. Do, the, do your players look up to you in the fact that you've been there, you've 
competed at the highest level. And does that almost make it easier, or are you still, is it still an uphill battle? I think you've touched on an amazing piece, and, and Judy did the same. The failure is massive in sport. Um, and you want so badly, and my mom did the same when I was growing up, you want so badly to tell them, look, I've done this, this is the path that you should go on. But at the same time as a coach, you, you almost want to let them fail too, so that they get that experience mm -hmm. um, to fail and learn from that experience. Um, because they will fail many more times in life. And they're going to fail in meetings. They're going to fail in different boardroom settings. They'll fail in interviews. And the only way they're going to learn how to pick themselves up after that failure is to go through it. And so it's incredibly difficult as a coach to sit there and watch an athlete fail, but know that the lesson they're going to get from that failure is probably 10 times stronger than you giving them the solution or giving them the path that might be easier. That's a good point. And Michelle, you seem to agree with that point. Do you think failure is something everyone has to go through to truly be successful? No, you will. <laughs> you, you, you will go through it. Um, let, me, let me confess that I am an imposter and a fraud. Um, because unlike these, these sisters here, I was never an athlete. I mean, I was so bad that even if I wanted to compete, I, I couldn't. Um, the other thing that's probably not readily apparent, I'm considerably older than the other women here. <laughs> Um, and when I was growing up, there was pretty much, pretty much zero encouragement for girls to even be engaged in sports. I now know and I learned ultimately how horribly disadvantageous that was for me and other girls who didn't get pushed into sports. In fact, it was unladylike to even consider it. Uh, being a tomboy was not something that to aspire to be. And that's what girls who did sports were called. They were called to tomboys. Um, it took me years to get the confidence that these women have now. And it's because I didn't have the benefit of sports. Um, I'm, sometimes I'm frightened at the notion of how great I would be had I been an athlete. Um, because it, I, I worked very hard and lessons were ultimately learned, but I didn't have the benefit of getting, that, getting those life lessons early on. So absolutely, absolutely. Lo knowing how to fail and rebound, especially for women, because it, we, 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 we tend to think that the, the notion of our inferiority is, is confirmed if there is a failure. If you've had sports and you've, you've had that disappointment and worked harder and then were, were able to succeed later, it, it, it's all the difference in the world. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, that was a long answer. No, and it was, it was a great answer because I'm, I'm sitting here listening and imagining a world where it's not cool for, for girls to play sports. I mean, I loved playing sports. It's the, it's the proudest I've been of just my athletic ability and, and just what you can accomplish. But what you have accomplished is very impressive to be the first woman to head a major players union. What's that like, the first woman? I've gotten accustomed to being a girl, so I, 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 don't, <laughs> I, I don't find the, the fact that I'm a woman doing this work unusual for me. Um, it's, 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 it's gotten easier in terms of not having to deal with the, the issue every day. And I don't mean to say that there's something wrong with being reminded that I'm a woman. I love being a woman, mm -hmm. and, I, and, I, and I thank God that I, I was given the privilege of being a woman. Um, what I one day hope will happen is that people will be able to simply be what they are and not be defined by their gender or by their, their ethnicity as, as, a, as a sort of an introduction to who they are. There's nothing wrong with being, in fact, I adore being a woman of color. 
Um, but for a while it was a bit of a distraction because people were sort of saying, oh, that's the woman that, as opposed to that's the executive director. And so once we have to we get through that, we get past there thinking, oh yeah, you're the first and let's talk about that. I, it took me a minute to get to what I had to do um, in, in, in terms of that, that meeting. But it's fine. I mean, it, I'm, I'm never not reminded at some point during the day. Um, but it's always someone else that has to remind me. I'm just trying to do my work. You're just doing your job. Right. Do you think there will come a time when it's just you're the head of a major players union that we don't have to mention? No. 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 Why do you think that is? It hasn't happened yet. Hmm. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I think there will be a time, not in my lifetime, it won't be me, I think at some point it will, but I, th th there's, there's no getting around the fact that people are interested in me because I'm a woman doing this job. Um, if, if I were a guy, we wouldn't, you probably wouldn't have been, well, of course you wouldn't have invited me because no guy should be on this panel. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm, I'm a lot more interesting because I'm a woman doing the work I do. <laughs> um, Megan, speaking of gender roles, do you think men and women compete differently. Do you think there's any kind of gender difference in, in competition? Well, even before I answer that, I was just gonna say, you said, you know, you're, you're a fraud or, or whatever you I joked am. about, I'm but not things. being an athlete, but what a trailblazer. You know, everyone's thinking that in this room, what a trailblazer. I, I feel fortunate in sport, being an athlete, to have so many powerful women come before me that I have the opportunity to do what I wanna do and even though you weren't an athlete. I mean, what a trailblazer in the realm of sports, so kudos to you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but I think, um, back to your question, I think when it, when it comes to, I mean, it's such a hot topic right now in sports, right? Men versus women and gender roles and, and all these different things. Um, certainly, you know, biologically, men and women are very different. Um, but I think when I think back to, you know, um, like, I, like I mentioned earlier, certain gender roles that, that young boys or young girls were associated with when they were younger and, um, you know, tried to fall into or parents kind of pushed them in that direction. It, I want to see a world where, you know, we start to, to really get away from that. Um, and I think with some of the trailblazing women that we've seen um, in sports and in competition, you mentioned Billie Jean King. Um, what another trailblazer, what a legend competing against a man in a sport. Um, you know, I just recently, same sport, but you saw Serena and, and Federer face off. Um, a couple weeks ago, uh, in my wheelhouse of hockey, you know, two women, um, two of the best female hockey players in the world, competing at the men's NHL All-Star competition. Not only competing, but one of them winning in that category. Um, and that was just... Um, I think it opened a lot of people's eyes. Uh, for myself, as someone that's competed alongside, those are two of my best friends, competed alongside those women all the time. I, everyone was, you know, texting and saying, hey, look at them. I, I didn't even, didn't even phase me. Of course they are. I know, I've seen them train. I know how they compete. I know how fast she is, how well she, um, you know, shoots. So um, I think for the world to now start, recognize, start really recognizing some of those things, um, it's going to make major changes. And... Um, it's, it's an exciting thing to be a part of, but as I mentioned and how I started, it doesn't come without, you know, the work of so many women uh, beforehand, continuing to knock on doors and to, you know, raise um, awareness and show people that, um, you know, women can compete alongside men. 
Mm -hmm. And all the all the things you mentioned, and, and I'm just thinking of Lindsey Vaughn, and you know she had to retire before she broke the ultimate record. But I mean, she was breaking records in her her own world. Do you do you think, Judy, that there's almost having that divide and still that acknowledgement that you know there's women's sports and there's men's sports? Do you think that just kind of it's just going to keep women driving and and just reaching higher and harder and it's we'll get to that point one day where there isn't that divide, or do you think there will always be just separate worlds? I think that's a great question. Um, in some regards, I hope that it is still separate. Mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, there's equality. So I would love for uh, women to compete against men and men to compete against women, but I think at different points in time, there may be other challenges. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I mean, I, similar to you, I grew up, I have three older brothers, so I played with them in a lot of sports. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. I think, anybody else have mm -hmm. any idea? Well, I was just gonna say, I think um, not necessarily, um, you know, women competing against men. I, I'm a woman, I play women's hockey. I absolutely love it. Love mm -hmm. my teammates. I love everything that goes into um, what we do together as powerful women. And I enjoy competing against powerful women from other countries. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess to my point, kind of what I was talking about earlier was just um, the world recognizing women as powerful athletes mm -hmm. and really, you know, wanting to watch, wanting to support, mm -hmm. fill arenas, things like that. I mean, women compete in dynamic ways, in dynamic sports, um, and I think the world is really starting to recognize that and gain traction and, and support those women in, in their um, athletic careers. What is missing? I mean, is it, is it the support? I mean, in, in April, uh, the weekend before the Masters, there's a golf tournament a women's golf tournament for the first time at Augusta. And NBC is covering this and they're sending me down because they know I, I love to golf and who better <laughs> to cover it if the only female on the team who loves golfing gets to go. But why, why has it taken so long and why is there not that support and why is the money not there for the women? I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't understand it because women are so good at sports, whether, I mean, any sport, they're at the, the top of their game and they're, they're competing with people who are also at the top of their game. So, I mean, what's, what's going on? I, I think there's a movement starting now. You look at women's ice hockey, women's soccer. Um, I don't know if I have the answer for why there's maybe financial differences, but I, I think we touched on a really good point here. We might not see the change in one lifetime, but we as the next generation have to start to fight for those changes we want to see. Mm -hmm. And the student athletes sitting in this room who are essentially the next generation have to start to fight for the changes that you guys want to see. And if we want the equality and we want someone to flip on the TV and see women's ice hockey and men's ice hockey and see them as the same thing, and I don't, I don't mean the same thing in, in that they might compete against each other, but I want to watch women's ice hockey just as much as I want to watch men's ice hockey we have to start to fight for those things. And, and the change is happening, and we're, we have powerful women starting to speak about the things they want to see, but now it's got to be a movement that generation after generation start to take hold of. Mm -hmm. and, and to add to that, I think that there needs to be um, opportunities to view the sports. So I think young kids growing up, they're not as many, they're not exposed to a lot of different sports to know that there's so many options out there. Like there are basketball hoops in a lot of places, <laughs> but they're not necessarily places play field hockey, like 
certain mm -hmm. people in different regions of the country don't know about field hockey or lacrosse or just different sports. So I think increasing the access um, and some of that has to do with marketing from networks and opportunities and now with the internet they're live streaming a lot of things so they are increasing that. And then I would just say um, also seeing it as a professional career. I think that's what a lot of people view sports as an opportunity to play professionally and if it's not that lucrative then they don't invest as much time in that sport and so if people would play because they enjoy it or play to learn from it I think sports would grow as mm -hmm. well. And Michelle what do you think as as a trailblazer how I, I'd say the stage is set but how, how do you keep the ball rolling in the right direction? You know, on this issue, let me back up. Even men's sports needed to be sufficiently marketed and, and, mm -hmm. and people had to, 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 to know it. And then children had to play it and grow up and love it. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not as depressed as some are about mm -hmm. where women's sports are because frankly, for a long time, many of us didn't see women um, competing professionally at least. Um, one of the things that, that, that even I have to confess, I, I work for the National Basketball Players Association, that's the men. Um, I don't see as many women's games, but what I've noticed is, even as when I watch, and I won't name the network because it's not, it's not NBC, but, <laughs> but when I watch women athletes um, on some of the sports networks, they're interesting, they're smart, they have sometimes more insightful things to say than some of the former male athletes that are on there. And they've made me want to watch them compete. Um, and so, and all of that's because I see, I'm, I'm now seeing women, women athletes who I didn't know, frankly, existed before. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is exposure. And beyond insisting that we, we want people to put money in, into it, we have to support it. We have to go to games. I, I hear people frequently complain about the, the, the unhappy reality that women professional basketball players make less money than men. That's true, that's unhappy reality. I go to women's basketball games, there's no one there. So we have to support these, these sports if we really wanna help empower the athletes uh, to be able to, to, to generate the kind of income that will allow. Because I agree, I mean, it, it, many of the male athletes are professional athletes because they saw it as a way to have to make a living. That's not the case for many women athletes, and so we have to sort of we have to increase the the the, the popularity of the sport, but we have to support it, mm -hmm. um, and that means buying a ticket. Mm -hmm. That's a very good point. Um, I had gotten the chance to speak with a lot of the students at, student athletes here at the reception earlier, and you know my sports career ended after high school. Some will end after college. If, if you don't go to the professional level or if you don't pursue Olympics or just continue on with the sport, how important would you say it still is for, for kids to just get involved in sports? I mean, I noticed within my own family, my nieces didn't play sports. In my family, I, like all of us, played sports. And I just, I noticed there just seems to be a personality difference. They're reserved, my nieces are reserved, they're quiet. They, they don't like to be around other people. And I don't know if sports has kind of given me that confidence and that empowerment to just know if I'm, if I'm like walking in a room, this is fun, this is fun to talk to people. I love being with other people and being part of a team. And do you, do you think the sports that I had in my life had something to do with that? And do you recommend that all kids learn how to be a part of any kind of team sport? Can I, can I, let me give you a, a quick example of why the answer is absolutely. 
Um, before th this job, I was a practicing attorney, and I worked at a law firm. And those of you who have had the horror of working in a law firm <laughs> know that it is incredibly competitive. And young associates are always looking for quality work, good work, because that's how you sort of advance in the profession. And the sad reality that I, that I have to describe to you is that the male associates who had no more experience than the women that came into these firms were very aggressive in identifying partners that they wanted to work with, not at all shy in telling partners, I can make you a better lawyer. But the women, you'd have to, have to almost drag them into your office to get them to ask for work. It's because there is this sense, and unfortunately, even though it's, it's gotten better, there is this sense that, that I'm not going to compete, I'm not going to sell myself, um, that women suffer, suffer from and struggle with more than men. So if, I, I wasn't blessed with children. If I had any ki children and they were girls, not only would I encourage them, I'd probably insist <laughs> that they become involved in sports because it really does give you a confidence um, that you will absolutely require absolutely require professionally when you grow up and, and have to, to walk this earth. So absolutely yes. Do you guys agree with that? I mean, Carolyn, you must see it firsthand with, with your own student athletes. Yeah, I, I think there's a social component uh, to this as well, right? We're social beings and being within a team, whether it's an individual sport that you are competing with a team or you're in a team sport competing with a team, you have to learn how to engage with other people, argue with other people, go through conversations and, and deal with challenges together, um, engage and, and enjoy the successes that come from sport. You have to learn how to do a full gamut of those things. And you have to learn how to do that with people around you. And, and sometimes you have to rely on other people to get to whatever the next stage of the game or, or in this case, what would be life afterwards. You need people to help you along that way sometimes. And I think sport teaches you that in a really cool way. There's a million life lessons that come out of an opportunity to play sport, um, whether it's confidence in an, individ an individual, whether it's working uh, with a team, so going through a teamwork piece, but there is something about being an athlete that just empowers you, especially as a young woman, to want to find new challenges, engage in new experiences, um, and take life by the reins, if you will. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't really know how to explain that, but you take hold of your life, you take hold of your journey, and you try to figure out what your journey and destiny and path are gonna look like, versus waiting for somebody to tell you how to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think sport teaches you that in a really unique way, um, that if you don't engage in sport, you might not often get a chance to, to do. Mm -hmm. Judy, you must agree with that. You kind of talked about it before, but you know, going for your PhD, but also having you know, performed at the highest level of collegiate sport, along with trying to get your academics also at this very high level under control. You know, I mean, that there must be so much you learn from, from doing both at the same time. Yes, for sure. Um, I would say that being here at Barnard um, and being on the women's basketball team, that was definitely a juggling act. Um, I think at some other schools, it might be a little easier because you get to focus on one thing and not both. Um, but being here, you really are put to the test in academics and athletics. And so I think to, be, to figure out a way to be excellent at that, 
um, you really can go and do anything that you want to do afterwards. And mm -hmm. so um, even graduate school, it really hasn't been as challenging as maybe I've seen for other people because <clears throat> I'm like, my calendar is full. My calendar has been full my whole life, <laughs> you know? Like, um, when am I going to sleep? You know, I have to get this nap in, get this done, time management skills. Like, that's something that I've been doing my whole life because I've played sports. And so to be able to do that here and not have to sacrifice either one and really to have the opportunity to excel in both, I think, um, is an unmatched um, opportunity being at Barnard. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm grateful for that. And the other thing I would just add is I wrote my dissertation on um, an organization that uses running to exit homelessness. Mm -hmm. And so individuals are experiencing homelessness and they give them some running shoes, give them some gear, and they say start with one mile and three days a week, 5.45 a.m., you come outside, we'll be here to cheer you on and to go with you. And through that process, they get access to skills they get access to support, and they get back on their feet. And so I think the power of engaging in sports and the discipline and the camaraderie, the confidence, um, it really is, I think everyone should have to do it, especially women, as other people on the panel have said. Because it just, it gets your mind right. It does, mm -hmm. it does. If you can be committed and dedicated to mm -hmm. that, and then the mental and physical connection um, between your mental health and your physical health, I think they're just, endless rewards to participating mm -hmm. in sports. I also like knowing that Judy Lomax naps makes me feel, <laughs> makes me feel better about my naps. <laughs> Megan, what would, what would you say as far as, you know, being a part of a larger team, just playing ice hockey, how has that helped with interpersonal skills, you know, off the ice? Yeah, I mean, these ladies hit the nail on the head with, um, you know, the teamwork, the confidence, the leadership. Um, I think a big thing for when you're part of a, you know, a team sport, for me, competing at an elite level, um, the accountability. I mean, the accountability to yourself and your training and your preparation, but also to so many other women that are, that are relying on you. You know, you guys have been part of team sports where it, it takes everyone. It really does. Whether you have, you know, your star players or, you know, players that don't have as many minutes or things like that. It takes everyone and everyone's preparation, um, you know, to, to achieve success. Um, I, I would say with sports too, I mean, my, my friend and I, my friend who's here tonight, she's an Olympian as well. Um, we were talking about the smaller, maybe not as, um, I guess, noticeable things in sports, but little things like punctuality and professionalism mm -hmm. that I think, you know, as a kid growing up, being a part of something that you have to commit to, um, those, are the, those are serious lessons that you can learn to, you know, take with you into whatever, whatever job is next. Um, I think also the physical component um, of getting, you know, young kids involved and in staying in sports this day and age with cell phones, everyone knows. Um, you know, if you're not, I, I speak at high schools or middle schools or things like that, and I'm on Snapchat a, a thousand times over, so, um, on their phones. So it's, I think, the physical aspect, getting people outside and moving, um, obviously, and such an obvious reason for the, um, you know, the, the promotion of sports. This has been an awesome discussion. I want to get you guys in on it because I feel like I'm trying to come up with the best questions mm -hmm. and you guys probably are sitting on some of the best questions. So um, we are just going to open it up so you guys can ask whatever you want, but we do have microphone and because we're live streaming, we want to make sure that you're speaking into the microphone so people at home watching can also hear. So raise your hand. We've got one right over here. Thank you for speaking here and being tonight. My name is Margaret Lou. I graduated from Columbia College in 2017. And 
My question to the panelists, whoever wants to take this and answer it, is you guys mentioned a lot about how gender and gender roles growing up play a factor into women and sports and expectations. But seeing as I work at the first and only LGBT global consulting company, I was curious as to um, what you guys, what your perspective is on how the LGBT community related to sports and women has changed and how it's evolved, improved, steps forward, what we can do to help advance that just like women in sports. I can take that one. And uh, I met your mom before in the uh, <laughs> upstairs. <laughs> We chatted for a bit, and uh, she's a fantastic lady, so you're very lucky to have such a powerful role model in your life. Um, she obviously shared with us a little bit about you and your success here in fencing, um, so congratulations to you. But I guess what I'll say on that topic is um, I think, um, you know, diversity and inclusion is a huge thing and a huge topic, and um, I, I have seen, obviously, progress in those areas, um, and I, I just got married in September um, to a woman, and the, yeah. Um, but I, the point of, of why I'm even saying that is, um, one, I recognize the, um, you know, years of, of battles that uh, people that came before me uh, put in to allow me the right to marry my wife in the state of Maine. Um, so that's not to go unnoticed. But when my wife and I got married in September, um, it actually went viral on the news. I'm sure some, maybe some people in this room saw it, but the story behind the marriage was not that I married a woman. The story behind the marriage was that my wife is a, a three-time Olympic gold medalist um, as well. And the story was uh, we were rivals in sport and we married each other. And uh, so I, I found that while, while I, I'm not the type of person that wanted my wedding to go viral um, in the news, um, I did find that I, I took a lot of ple pleasure in that. I mean, the, the feedback was 99% positive, um, but the, the story was hockey rivals wed. Um, it said nothing about, you know, a woman and a woman, or a man and a man, a man and a woman. Um, there was no part of that in, in any of the stories, and that was something to me, um, you know, intertwining sports and the LGBT community. Um, it was uh, pretty powerful, I thought. So, does that answer your question? <laughs> I'll, I'll also jump in. I just wanted to ask one quick question. What are fights like in your house? Yeah. <laughs> well, and I mentioned I'm a super competitive person, so it, uh, yeah, it gets ugly I'd sometimes. I imagine you both are, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, go ahead. You have to put the gloves on to throw them off, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, too, uh, married my wife a couple years ago. It did not go viral. <laughs> I guess I needed to go to a third Olympics for that to, to happen. Um, but, but what I'll say, and, and we've talked so much about how we want equality in female athletics and women's sports, right? We want to look at women's sports and not see anything different when we look at a male sport versus a female sport. I would, I would love for one day that the LGBTQ community becomes just part of our community. And maybe we don't need a title for it. Um, it just becomes what is our norm, our new norm. Um, and I think we're moving in that direction, but it goes back to the same point I mentioned about being the change that we want to see in female athletics. We, as people or members of that LGBTQ community, need to continue to speak out about that community and about how we really aren't that different, right? Um, I still put my right shoe on my right foot and my left glove on my left hand. My wife and I do not fight with gloves, but um, I, I still think that, you know, 
we're still fighting for that, that equality, and, and I think it's really just about members of that community and members that are not in that community finding their voice to fight to, to, to bring that equality forward. Other questions? Hello, my name is Molly. I'm an alum from a long time ago. Um, you know, a lot of the conversation on women and equality in, in terms of the prof and this professional level, even or in the amateur level, is, you know, in, there's always this comparison to the men. Uh, and I find it very frustrating. And uh, I find that there needs to be a new ca conversation about what's better or what's... It, I think there's an entertainment quality to it that... And I want you to speak to, you know, and as opposed to who's faster, who's stronger, who can do this particular, you know, uh, skill, you know, um, who can make that, you know, slam dunk and alley-oop if it's basketball and all the other skills, but that there's an, there's an entertainment quality to it. Um, and how, how, first, you've got women's ice hockey, you've got women's soccer. Of course, it's been in the news recently. I'm a soccer player. Um, and about that entertainment value of the, uh, the, of the particular um, sport, you know, in, in the competition, and how that can bring a level playing field to, you know, when you're talking to the men, your, your boys, your sons. It's not just about the women and the girls coming to participate and watch and be a fan, but also the boys, you know, and, that, and, that, and sort of going in that direction. What's your take on that? I would say I think I think the reason to the um, early part of your question I think the reason why now you know you see is she as fast as him or as good as him is because for a long time women have been you know f fighting and banging on doors to say these these are high profile great competitive athletes competing as well and it's sad that you know we have to be at a point where it says hey like look at them too they're doing it just as great as them and I think that's kind of where that comes from um, but I I totally agree with you I think. Um, it, it starts with, you know, the, the values and the things that we're teaching um, young kids. And I think a lot of that is changing right now. We have tons of little boys that support our team because they love hockey. Um, and I think that that's fantastic. And we promote that and support that. It's not, you know, I in my career have talked a lot about empowering young girls to get involved in hockey and, um, you know, want to compete and support women, but have started to change that conversation a little bit to just getting fans involved, getting young boys or men, women, um, it doesn't matter, um, involved because, like you said, there's an entertainment value um, and it's, it's, it's fun. And, you know, women's hockey is different than men's hockey. It's uh, not as physical a game, but it's more of a skillful game because of the lack of some of those open ice hits. So um, I think, you know, promoting those, those small things to young boys, young girls, men, women, um, is something that all of us can start doing a little bit more. And I think part of the difficulty is that the men's game, I don't know about all sports, but in many sports has really defined what it looks like to play that sport. And so until we start to consider what everyone playing that sport looks like and what women look like and kind of see it as its own thing, that we're not comparing to the men's game. And so I, I can speak for basketball. If you're trying to see a, a women's game that looks like a men's game, you're going to be disappointed. Um, if that's what you're looking for. You're not going to want to watch that. But if you're looking for basketball to be played, and as you said, sometimes in a, a lot more sound fundamentally, um, you can learn a lot from 
Um, you know, I'm trying to get Mingi me fired, right? Mi <laughs> I mean, some people get to take five steps before they shoot the ball. Some oh. people are only allowed to take two. <laughs> I knew but, that was you know, coming. I'm not, I'm not going to go there. I, I think we should just look at each sport to see what it has to offer with fresh eyes and not allow it to be defined by what the men look like playing that sport. I think that's right. I mean, it's true. Women's basketball is different from men's basketball, professional ball. College ball is different from professional ball. You know, if you like sports, you, then you'll appreciate the game for what it is. I think you made the point earlier. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's, it's imperative that men and women play the game at the same time. I love watching women's sports and I love watching men's sports. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with preferring one over the other even. Mm -hmm. Um, we should, we should glory, find glory in all the sports. If you like basketball, then you probably will enjoy watching different, different ways that basketball is played. The European game is different from the American game. So uh, I don't think we have to spend a lot of time apologizing for the difference in the games. Just enjoy it. Mm -hmm. But what, I mean, how do you get more people to rally behind the, the, the women's sports? I mean, I think there needs to be some kind of you know, I, I don't watch a lot of men's basketball, but I know who LeBron James is, and I can't go anywhere without knowing who he is. He's just kind of thrown into your face, whether you're a, a fan of men's basketball or not. When does it become a time when women are thrown in our face? In a good, in a good way, I mean, I you know, know what I mean? I know who Venus and Serena are. That's true. Right? That's I mean, a very good and, point. And I don't watch tennis, mm -hmm. I, but I know who they are. I mean, I don't think we can force people to love a sport. I mean, you either enjoy, I, I hate football, I'll, I'll say it, I hate it, mm -hmm. and I don't watch it, but I happen to know it's the, mo the most popular sport in the U.S., so I think, but, but I, I love basketball because I do. Mm -hmm. um, I think what we should, the best we can do is expose people to the sport, and you'll either love it or, you'll, or you won't. Uh, my view is if you, if you like, if you see basketball, in my view, you love basketball, mm -hmm. but um, apparently if you see football, there's a lot of that. <laughs> I mean, I, but I, but I, do, I, do, I think the interest has to be genuine. Mm -hmm. um, and the best we can do, the best we can hope for is just exposing people to it. I think exposure hit the nail on the head, right? The only time I get to watch softball is when the softball NCAA championships comes around. Mm -hmm. But I can flip on the tube and watch baseball whenever I want. And, and I think if we, if we want people to fall in love with women's sports, we've got to put it on TV. We've got to advertise the athletes that are paving the way on the female side of the game, just as much as we do on the male side of the game. And so there's maybe a bigger conversation here of how we engage producers and advertisers and how we get female names and, and images to the public so that we can start to fall in love with those players and that sport. Hi, my name's Patricia. I've really enjoyed the panel so far. Um, I played basketball in high school. I played basketball leading into high school and then played just for fun, but it was always such a big part of me. Um, and it always came easy to me. Uh, recently, I started coaching a seven-year-old basketball team, and I think for most of the girls on the team, it was their first time touching a basketball. The proudest moment for them was winning their first and last game of the season, and I hope for, as their coach um, that that will remain a defining moment for them. Um, can you guys share a defining moment or uh, one of the most impactful moments in your career? It doesn't have to be a win, could be a lesson learned. Uh, looking to take some wisdom along with me now coaching little girls. It's a whole new challenge. I've learned a lot about myself and the new age to your point, Megan. It's all about Snapchat. It's all about <laughs> social media. 
I would just say kudos to you for doing that, first of all. <laughs> um, that's awesome. And when we talk about exposure, like people stepping up and teaching people at a young age and allowing them the opportunity to fall in love with the sport is a really important part of it. I don't know about a defining moment. moment. <laughs> I would have to think about that. Yeah, well, I was, I mean, it's, it's, it seems a little cliche. I, a huge defining moment for me um, was certainly our team winning the gold medal last February. Um, but I guess to relate it to your seven-year-olds, I, I think the reason why it was my favorite moment and I can close my eyes and just feel what it felt like to be in that moment was it was the pure joy and celebration with my friends. And that's what seven-year-olds playing basketball should, should be experiencing, you know, having an absolute blast. Yes, it had been a 20-year drought since we won an Olympic gold medal. We had put our hearts and souls training day in and day out for that moment. And it was, I mean, it was all business. I'm not saying it was, you know, all, all butterflies and rainbows. But um, once we won that celebration, uh, being together, we had our families down on the ice, um, you know, celebrating with them, the people that had helped us get to that point. That was what it was all about for me. That's why it was so um, powerful and you know, my most memorable and impactful moment ever. It was celebrating the little things along the way, the support, the people, the relationships, and the enjoyment of sport. Um, and that's something I think, you know, at, at that young age, you should continue to encourage. Um, enjoying the sport, having fun um, with your friends, with your family. Uh, to me, that, that's why it was so important. We, we've talked a lot about the, the fun, um, but how many of you guys do something and stick with something that's not fun? <laughs> And oftentimes at a young age, we think about specialization straight away and, and, and we think about maybe scholarship down the road. And I think you've done a fantastic job to engage your young athletes to just enjoy the sport, which I think we've touched on twice over. Um, but I will say just in a moment for me, um, so in, in Beijing, we're getting ready to walk into the bird's nest and they sort of corralled all the athletes into this very small tunnel. And each country is sort of lined up um, and you're, you're sort of waiting, right, this anticipation that you're going to walk in an opening ceremony. And I remember sitting on the couch with my dad watching an Olympic Games on TV when I was, you know, yay tall going, how cool would that be one day? And here I am getting ready to do this massive moment. And I thought back to all the coaches in that moment that had made the game fun for me. Um, but I also thought back to all the coaches that maybe didn't believe in me or failures that I had met, but really sort of over-encompassing all of that was how much fun I had had in the sport to that point that got me to the pinnacle for me. Um, and, and I just remember hearing the delegation start to chant USA and it was echoing off the halls. And it was just one of those mo the incredible moments that I am now super fortunate enough to get to share with my student athletes here at Columbia Barnard, and, um, and I really enjoy giving those moments back to them and hoping that one day they might be standing in a tunnel getting ready to go into an Olympic Games and thinking back to their experience in college and their experience on their, you know, their youth basketball team. Um, and I think we as coaches have this incredible opportunity to shape young athletes that get to have an experience like that down the road. Yeah, and we did not win. Um, so <laughs> did we, it's okay. That would have been my defining moment had we won the first Ivy League championship for women's basketball. Um, but I'm rooting on the players now and the future that that will happen. Um, and I'm sure that will be a defining moment when it does happen. Um, but I will say that it was hard. Like, 
I, I remember more the struggles of playing, and I think the way that the Ivy League is set up, um, which is so unique, is that we play Friday and Saturday nights. Um, and so you really have to bounce back. I mean, even if you won on Friday, it's so short-lived because you're automatically preparing for Saturday's game. Um, so they don't really stand out, although I know we won a few big games, but I think we, it was just such a grind. And so I mentioned earlier that I'm happy that there's now the playoff at the end um, for the top four teams, because then you get another opportunity and to celebrate at the end, I think that that would be a really powerful defining moment as well. I will say one thing about coaches. I've, I've never coached, but I can remember every single coach I've had for every single sport growing up my entire life. And I give you so much credit for, for coaching seven-year-olds, but one thing I, I noticed, and I, I had one coach in high school who, God, he was, he was so tough on me. And I remember I was, I was just in a bad batting slump. I mean, I, I couldn't hit the ball if, if you were paying me to hit the ball. I mean, it just wasn't happening. And he took my bat. There was a little stream behind our field. And he's like, you suck. And he just launches the bat into the river this little stream to try to wipe off whatever bad juju was on, on my bat, be, which it kind of worked. But I also think it was the, you know, this coach saw something in me that he, he knew I was, I was good. He knew I used to be able to hit. He knew I loved the sport. And as nasty as he could be sometimes, he was always supportive of me. And he was always just trying to make me better. And that's, I think, such a role of coaches is we are looking up to you to help us get over those hurdles, to get through the hard times and to just be better because that skill's there. You just have, have to do it well. So I don't think it matters what age you are. Coaches just stick in your, in your head forever because their goal is to try to make you a better player. And that's an amazing pressure to have. <laughs> it really is, though. That's the fun of it. Mm -hmm. That's why you show up every day and you want to challenge your student athletes to be better versions of themselves. And you accept that pressure willingly mm -hmm. because when you see the light bulb go off, all of those moments make sense and, and truly give you back the things that you've been investing in them. Mm -hmm. So that's great. Any other questions in the back there? I was wondering about your thoughts about the growing economic disparity in sports um, and how we can combat it to provide equal opportunities to all women and all people, no matter their financial status. So kind of access to sports, right, for, for everyone across the board? I think there's a, there's a massive grow the game effort um, underway for a lot of uh, underrepresented sports. So field hockey is a sport that not many people know about in the U.S. Um, it's a massive uh, spectator and team sport worldwide for both men and women, uh, predominantly played by women in, in the U.S. Um, and so there's a huge undertaking from USA Field Hockey to grow the game and um, create, or sorry, build an opportunity for anybody to pick up a stick and, and expose themselves. And I think more NGBs, national governing bodies, are getting on board with that same initiative of making sports, even sports that might be more expensive to play, making some version of that sport available to every young athlete that wants to give it a try. And I think we're going back to an exposure conversation as well. Um, are we exposing all um, areas of, of financial status, I forget the, the right name for that, but are we exposing all of the communities to these many sports and allowing um, opportunities to try them? Uh, you know, and this, this will maybe is a little not so PC, but at the, at the end of the day, um, sports is a business. 
right? I mean, it's just business. And the ability to pay athletes, unfortunately, is tied to the, to the success of the business, um, which is why I always say if you, if you expose more people to the game, you can grow the game. If you grow the game, you can increase revenue. Um, the marketing that's been done of women's sports has been pitiful as compared to the marketing efforts and marketing dollars that are invested into men's sports. And so part of what I try to do, to the extent anyone asks me, is to suggest that we talk about growing the game as we would grow any business in order to expose the game and increase revenue. Um, I don't think that people, there are some people that are just evil and don't want to pay women, and, and, and that's true. But I think to speak to people that, that, that are prepared to invest in the game, you have to speak their language. It's a lot easier to be able to say, okay, pay the athletes, men or women. But if the sport is not, if the business is not successful, men or women, they're not going to pay you. Um, I struggle, even, and no one here thinks for one second that men basketball, male basketball players are not being paid enough money. I know that. <laughs> but, but it's still my job to insist that they get paid more. As long as those dollars grow, as that pie increases, I have a, I have a conversation I can have. But if the dollars go away, then, then it's a different conversation. But we have, to, we have to be just honest about it. This is a business. And at the beginner level, I mean, how, how I, I didn't know about field hockey until I went to high school, when it just showed up one day in high school. Um, I'm trying to get my I had son. never heard of lacrosse. <laughs> I had exactly. never heard of it. We didn't have lacrosse school, in our right? school. And right now I'm trying to get, just find some little place where my son in New York can kick a ball around, you know, just like a little soccer thing. But it's expensive, and I can't really justify spending that much money for this kid who just kind of just learned to run around. So, I mean, how, how do you just get it out there and make it accessible? I mean, is it something anyone can do in this room and just start up a little thing and say, hey, get five friends and we're going to pick up a field hockey stick or a hockey stick or basketball, soccer ball, and just do it? Start somewhere. I mean, men's basketball, and I keep talking about men's basketball because that's all I know, really. Um, it was not really lucrative for a long, long time, but there was, there was a commitment to the, to the sport to continue to grow it. That same commitment needs to be made to women's basketball. It's making not as much money, but it's making more money as, as the game is, is, is continuing, continuing to exist. But again, you have to speak the language of the market, and the market says, we'll pay you more if there's more money around to spread around, right? I agree with you. <laughs> I'm not quite in this generation, but um, YouTube is a great resource, I hear. Mm -hmm. You can learn just about anything on there. Um, <laughs> so, um, maybe like seeing some sports there mm -hmm. um, online, and I mean, like basketball, football, you give those toys to kids as, mm -hmm. uh, like at a very young age. So maybe stepping outside of that and providing them with some other toys that mm -hmm. will increase their exposure to other sports. Mm -hmm. Soccer too, but like, I don't know, a tennis ball mm -hmm. or some, uh, <laughs> some skates, well, go I ice skating. You know, like go yeah. ice skating. Like just, yeah. I, I think some of it is on like, I'm, I'm not a parent, but parents to mm -hmm. also true. provide other sports to their Ho children besides hockey, the main one. Hockey has to be one of, if not the most expensive sport to play for kids growing up. It's, you know, it's the ice times and mm -hmm. the equipment head to toe is ridiculous. Um, but I, there is, I know that there's a program similar um, to what you were talking about. They call it Try Hockey for Free. Um, and I feel like a lot of people don't know about that, but it's something that, 
you know, USA Hockey puts on in different areas where anyone without experience, um, without any equipment can go and try hockey for free. So I think that's a great idea. I don't know how often it happens and kind of after that one time what happens after that, but I feel like they're onto something. And if there can be more, um, you know, initiatives like that in, in all different communities, I think that would be helpful to at least grow hockey, which as I said, is one of the most expensive sports. I, I'm still thanking my parents for what they did when I was a kid. But it's nice to have those opportunities to try it and sample yes. it. Try to, you know, get a couple practices in for free and, and hopefully that does help to grow because again, it's all about exposure. And I would say in gym class too. Mm -hmm. I mean, I played point. a bunch of random sports when I was <laughs> younger and they, t they taught mm -hmm. it to us, like they exposed it to us. So I wonder if parents can get involved with getting the PE teachers and gym teachers mm -hmm. to try. Do you remember there. Eskimo baseball? No. No, it didn't really take off. <laughs> but I did play that, I did play that in gym. There's a lot of running from the back of the line there, to the front of the line. There, are, there were things that were played though. Yeah. I don't really quite remember. That's a good point. Other questions? Yes. Hi, if I may just continue Michelle's point, um, especially in the sports where there are large professional men's teams, why doesn't the NBA sponsor programs for young girls from the standpoint that you can grow the sport, which then creates female spectators. Same yeah. with hockey, yeah. creating, op big, making the pie bigger in terms of, you know, the future audience. Because, yeah, let's face it, right? There are a lot of people that play sports. You know, us even playing, I played volleyball here um, at Barnard, but I'm not going to become a professional volleyball player, right? It doesn't exist in the US, unfortunately. But you know, most of us don't go on to play a professional sport, but we become lifelong sports fans. So what about that business proposition for the NBA, for the NHL, for you know, any of the other sports? Yeah. I'm not here to make, make Adam Silver look good, but I'll give him credit. <laughs> they are doing it. There is a junior NBA for girls and boys. And you're right, and that's exactly the point. It's not simply a good thing to do. It's you create, a, you create and grow a fan base by having kids learn the game, love the game, and even if they don't play, they're season ticket holders eventually. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I think, I don't work at the NHL, obviously, but, um, yeah, no, there's, cer there's certainly initiatives um, to grow the game within young boys, young girls, um, all different, you know, fans of um, different races and genders and um, all sorts of backgrounds, I think. Um, obviously, I actually think there was something during the Super Bowl this year, not to switch to football, but where there was some stat that came out that said, you know, 70% of the fans that are watching today, it might have not been 70, I just pulled that out of the air, but um, are, are women. Um, and so they, they targeted a lot of the, you know, the ads um, that were more targeted towards women. So I think there's, a, you know, a, across the uh, professional sports platforms, I think there is, you know, a higher recognition of that. And I, I think they are working hard, um, but, you know, everything takes time, I guess, and um, yeah, so we'll see. But I, I think, as she credited to um, Mr. Silva there, I think, you know, I think the other professional sports leagues are doing the same. Do we have time for one more question? We're all done. You guys have been... Oh, no. <laughs> did, someone, did you see someone over there? I actually haven't... Okay, we'll do one more question. <laughs> Hello, my name is Janiah Clemens. I'm on the women's basketball team. Judy, we're gonna get you that ring next year. I got you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, 
it's that time of the year where uh, a lot of student athletes and students in general are going through like the interviewing processes for summer internships or full-time positions. So just wondering uh, what advice you guys have, how we can use our um, experiences as women student athletes to give us that competitive advantage. Are you asking for an internship? <laughs> there you go. I, I, really, I really hope so, because that's, that's what a boy would do. It's <laughs> true. Um, apply. We have internships, so apply. All right. Well, yeah, we'll get your we'll we'll resume. Not, not a problem. Good. See, that, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> See? Go Using that it. confidence. I have an opening, so just send me that resume. You can come work for me. <laughs> or were you asking about her? <laughs> See, but there's the confidence you get from playing sports. Yep. You have all been so wonderful. Thank you so much for giving us so much time to just pick your brain and just see how you feel about this whole world and the direction it's going in. And I want to thank the Columbia Barnard Athletics Consortium for even having this event tonight and letting us all talk. And the audience, thank you for your questions and your interest in hearing what we all have to say. And please follow On Her Turf on Instagram. I don't think you'll be disappointed in, in the mission of, of this Instagram account. It's certainly a good one. And please come back soon because Barnard hosts over 60 free events a year. So see the schedule at barnard.edu slash events to find out more. And you can join the mailing list. Okay, so I said, I Thank said you. my duty.